From the wilderness of Kodiak Island, Alaska, this is Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier with your host, Robin Bearfield. In a land full of peril and vicious animals, humans are the most dangerous predators of all. I don't usually do an episode about a case until the case either works through the legal system or it seems unsolvable. I could not ignore this sickening crime, though. There is nothing worse than children killing children, except perhaps when a teenager murders her best friend for the promise of money. Welcome to Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I'm your host, Robin Bearfield, and I'm broadcasting to you from the heart of the Kodiak National Wildlife Refuge on Kodiak Island in Alaska. On Tuesday, June 4, 2019, Anchorage police discovered the body of 19-year-old Cynthia Hoffman in the creek near Thunderbird Falls in Chugiak, a few miles from Anchorage. Someone had bound her wrists and ankles with duct tape and then shot her, execution-style, in the back of the head. The more detectives dug into Cynthia's murder, the more shocking and heartbreaking this case became. According to her family, Cynthia, or Cece, was sweet and funny. She loved hanging out with her friends and badly wanted her peers to like her. Her father, Timothy Hoffman, said Cece had a developmental disability, and she operated intellectually at a seventh-grade level. Her disability made her vulnerable to suggestions. Cece had several friends, and her best friend was a girl Cece and her family knew as Angela. Angela was 18 years old, and her real name was Denali Bremer. On June 2, 2019, Cece told her father she planned to hang out with her friends for the day. Her father encouraged her to have a good time. He loved seeing Cece happy, and he knew how much she craved fitting in with kids her age. He also knew Cece would be with Angela, and he trusted Angela to look out for his daughter. Timothy Hoffman built strong relationships based on trust and communication with his children. He bought each of his kids a phone, and he told them to call him any time they had a problem. He also told them always to answer their phone when he called them. If he called, they were to drop what they were doing and immediately answer his call. Cynthia was supposed to be home by 10 p.m. on June 2nd. Her father called her when she was late, but she did not answer. When she hadn't arrived home and couldn't be reached by 11.30 p.m., Hoffman called the Anchorage police. The police told him they could not consider her missing for 24 hours. When Cece still wasn't home by the next morning, Timothy Hoffman knew something terrible had happened to his daughter. He again contacted the police, and this time they began searching for Cece. Timothy texted Cece's friend Angela and asked her if she knew where Cece was. Angela said Cece had asked her to drop her at the Polar Bear Playground at Russian Jack Springs Park in Anchorage. Hoffman relayed this information to the police, and they centered their search around the playground. 
On June 4th, detectives questioned Denali Angela Brimmer and 16-year-old Caden McIntosh, another of Hoffman's friends who had been with her the day she disappeared. The teenagers finally admitted that they had not dropped Cece at the Polar Bear Playground. Instead, they were at Thunderbird Falls in Chugiak, 25 miles away from the playground. The police switched the focus of their search to Thunderbird Falls, and before long, they found Cynthia Hoffman's body. Cynthia was in the water next to the riverbank near a hiking trail. Her wrists and ankles were bound with duct tape, and she had tape over her mouth. A fatal gunshot wound pierced the back of her head. When the police first questioned Denali Bremer, she told them that she, Cece, and Caden McIntosh had been smoking weed and decided to hike to Thunderbird Falls and take photos of each other bound with duct tape. Due to her developmental disability, Cece was easy to talk into things. She wanted her peers to accept her as a friend. According to Brimmer, she and McIntosh duct taped Cece's wrists and ankles and placed tape over her mouth. After a few moments, Cece began to panic. Brimmer said they removed the duct tape from her mouth and hands, and she said she was going to call the police and tell them that Denali and Caden had kidnapped and sexually assaulted her. Brimmer said she was holding her Keltec 9mm in her hand, and McIntosh grabbed the gun from her and shot Cece in the back of the head. Brimmer said Cece was still on the ground, and she had her phone and looked as if she was trying to call the police. Brimmer said she saw Cece twitching before McIntosh pushed her into the creek. Brimmer said when they got back to the car, McIntosh told her to text Cece's family and make up a story about dropping her off somewhere. Brimmer said she was afraid of McIntosh, so she complied. Bremer said the pair then drove to Anchorage and burned Cece's purse, some clothing, her ID, and the gun they had used to kill her. McIntosh corroborated Bremer's story, but the picture Denali Bremer had painted of herself as a hapless and terrified witness was about to change. Police arrested Kate and McIntosh on multiple charges, including first-degree murder and evidence tampering. Bremer was not charged initially. Police were not done investigating her, though. Brimmer soon changed her story. She said, Cece's murder was no accident. It was her idea to murder Cece, and she had ordered McIntosh to pull the trigger. Once they had bound Cece, Brimmer said she could not kill her best friend, so she handed the gun to Hoffman and told him to shoot her. Police incarcerated Denali Bremer for the murder of her friend, Cece Hoffman. On June 9th, Anchorage police arrested three more suspects in connection with the murder. According to court documents, Caleb Leyland, 19, was arrested after police learned he was involved in planning the murder. Leyland also allowed Brimmer and McIntosh to use his Chevrolet Trailblazer to kidnap and kill Hoffman. Two juveniles, a male and female, were also arrested for helping to plan Cece's murder. To make this sordid tale worse, the female juvenile told detectives that Leyland had sexually assaulted her. So Leyland received additional charges of first-degree sexual assault and second-degree sexual abuse of a minor. The juveniles were taken to the McLaughlin Youth Center 
and the Division of Juvenile Justice is handling their cases. Detectives issued a search warrant for Denali Bremer's phone to see if they could learn anything more about Cece's murder from Bremer's text messages. What they found on the phone stunned them. In plain view, on Bremer's phone, they found child pornography. They also found text messages between Bremer and a man she called Babe, or Tyler. Bremer said Babe was a millionaire who lived in Kansas, and she was in love with him. Let me take a short break. I want to tell you about a new podcast that I am editing and producing for a group of authors. The name of the podcast is Mysterious. Listen to the intro. From the authors of Author Masterminds, this is Mysterious. Mystery surrounds us every day. Join us and listen to true stories of mystery, from human behavior to nature and the physical environment to paranormal experiences. The stories are true, even if we can't explain them. Again, the name of the podcast is Mysterious. I have a link to it in the show notes, or listen to it wherever you find your podcasts. The FBI linked Tyler's telephone number to a Facebook account for Darren Shill Miller. Shill Miller, 21, lived in Indiana and was not a millionaire. Once Brimmer knew Shill Miller had lied to her, she admitted to detectives that he had recruited her to murder someone while she video recorded the event. Shill Miller told her he would pay her $9 million if she carried through with the murder. Brimmer said Shill Miller had also directed her to sexually assault an 8- or 9-year-old child and a 15-year-old child. The pornography the detective saw on Brimmer's phone showed her assaulting the 15-year-old victim, but they did not find videos of a younger child. Brimmer told the detectives that she'd met Shell Miller online, and the pair had started a relationship. Shell Miller called himself Tyler, and he convinced Brimmer he was the handsome young man in the photo he used on his account. She believed him when he told her he was a millionaire and soon she agreed to join him in his perverted fantasies. He groomed Brimmer, and she fell in love with him. When Shill Miller promised Brimmer $9 million to murder someone, she agreed. She invited her friends to help her and promised them a share of the money. At Shill Miller's request, Brimmer even agreed to murder her best friend. An Anchorage grand jury indicted Brimmer, Shill Miller, McIntosh, Leyland, and the two juveniles on charges of first-degree murder, first-degree conspiracy to commit murder, and two counts of second-degree murder. The jury also indicted Shill Miller and Brimmer on account of first-degree solicitation to commit murder. Brimmer was indicted on one count of tampering with physical evidence, and McIntosh was charged with four counts of tampering with physical evidence. Cynthia Hoffman, sadly, had no idea what Brimmer and McIntosh planned to do to her when they invited her on an outing. She thought her friends were asking her to accompany them on a hike. 
Cynthia was eager to please, and this made her an easy mark. Brimmer and McIntosh had no trouble convincing Cynthia that they were binding her wrists and ankles with duct tape so that they could photograph her. Once they had her immobilized and taped her mouth shut, McIntosh easily killed her while Brimmer took videos to send to Shell Miller. According to court documents, digital evidence and statements show that Brimmer was communicating and sending videos and photographs to Shill Miller while he directed the events leading up to and during the murder of Cynthia Hoffman. The medical examiner found no evidence suggesting Cynthia had been sexually assaulted. An Alaska arrest warrant of $1 million was issued for Shill Miller. If convicted, Brimmer, McIntosh, Leyland, and Schillmiller could face 99 years in prison for each of the murder charges, the conspiracy to commit murder charge, and the solicitation to commit murder charge. Darren Schillmiller's and Denali Bremer's problems did not end with the charges they received from the state of Alaska. U.S. Attorney Brian Schroeder indicted the pair on federal child pornography and child exploitation charges. These charges were related to the 15-year-old Denali sexually assaulted and the 8- or 9-year-old Schillmiller asked her to assault. The federal indictment charged both Bremer and Schillmiller with conspiracy to produce child pornography, production of child pornography, receipt and distribution of child pornography, and coercion and enticement of a minor. According to an FBI agent, Denali Bremer and a man she thought was a millionaire named Tyler from Kansas traded I love yous on their cell phones and discussed raping and killing someone for weeks leading up to the murder of Cynthia Hoffman at Thunderbird Falls. Darren Schillmiller was not from Kansas, but lived in the small farming community of New Salisbury, Indiana, a town in southern Indiana near the border with Kentucky. When news of Schillmiller's involvement in the case broke, the press scrambled to learn more about the man. Slowly, a very troubling picture emerged. Several former classmates of Schillmiller's described him as a timid young man who had struggled in school. They said he treated others well and he was more likely to be bullied than to bully others. However, one former schoolmate said that while she never thought Schill Miller would be involved in killing someone, she found the child pornography charges believable. He definitely had a problem there, she said. When she was younger, she said Schill Miller constantly asked her for bikini photos, and he often asked mothers he knew around town for pictures of their young children. One woman said she met Shill Miller online. He again used a fake name and profile, and the two formed a casual relationship. Shill Miller told her, I have a problem. I want to tell someone, and I don't know how. Before sharing his problem, though, he asked her to send photos of her changing her daughter's diapers. The request alarmed the woman, and she ended their interaction. When FBI agents checked into Schillmiller's past, they learned that Harrison County, where Schillmiller lived, had opened a child pornography investigation into him in 2018. A California woman had reported that Schillmiller contacted her and requested images of infants in dirty diapers. No action was ever taken on the case. 
the authorities probably thought the woman's claim was too bizarre to be true. In the text messages with Brimmer, Shill Miller confessed he had a child porn fetish and rape fantasies. His deviant behavior apparently attracted rather than repelled Denali Brimmer. There is no question that Darren Schillmiller is a child predator. But what about Denali Brimmer, Caden McIntosh, Caleb Leyland, and the two minors who helped plot the murder of Cynthia Hoffman? Were they all so naive that they believed this stranger would give them $9 million if they committed a murder? Did they not think they would get caught? Cece's father knew who his daughter was with when she disappeared and the police suspected Bremer and McIntosh from the beginning. Is Denali Bremer also a child predator? Or were these kids just bored and had a weak sense of right and wrong? They will have many years in prison to think about their mistakes. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to my patrons for your support. Check out the show notes for more information on how you can support this podcast and unlock extra episodes by joining the Last Frontier Club. You can also search for this podcast on Patreon to learn more about the Last Frontier Club. I'll see you soon for the next episode of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier.
Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast Storage Sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast Storage Sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 